Feast High. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 3, senior year, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I'm Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 64 of High School Musical 3, senior year. Minute 64 starts out with Gabriella singing, You Know That Where We Are Is Where We're Meant To Be, and ends with Troy starting to open his locker. Oh boy. Well, we get the rest of this reprise of right here right now right here right now in this minute and then right here right now becomes the past when we move on to something else too much time there not enough time i would say i think there's already two i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a hot take out right at the the top here i think this reprise is unnecessary we have never had a (laughs) reprise in the traditional format that this is in a high school musical before and i don't like it yeah because i guess we've had like other versions of a song come back yeah like in high school musical 2 it was like the same song just over and over and over again and they did it in the first one too with like the multiple versions of it's hard to believe that i couldn't sneeze it's hard to believe that i couldn't sneeze see but yeah, they they don't normally come back to a song just to play it for 30 seconds and then like remind you of that emotion. And it's like we were talking about last time. The emotion is the same. Maybe it's more <laughs> confused, but this is kind of we don't have them often in, in this here pod, but this is a nothing minute. And we have singing well, in this minute and it's kind of a nothing minute. <laughs> Well, it depends on depends on how mu- how much of nothing you want it to be in order for it to feel like it's nothing. Because one could say that about two thirds of High School Musical three has been nothing, except for this. I guess anything that's not the songs. But see, I don't I don't think I agree with you there. It's it's felt like a while since we've had something. I guess the last time was when we were in the Boys Are Back, which wasn't that long ago. It's just because we're only doing one a week right now. It's just really throwing us off. (laughs) Okay. So they're talking about where we are is where we're meant to be, I guess Gabriella says. But they also say where we are will never be the same, which I was wondering if you knew how to parse that because I didn't. I My guess, because I don't have the lyrics pulled up, is where we are will never be the same. Like, things have changed so much for them personally that, like, in these last few moments of their, like, their evaluation of their life is even though they seem like it's one state, it's not really, and things are not gonna, things are gonna change from here. Like, decisions need to be made, things need to happen, things are gonna start, start, the train will start rolling once again. Everything's coming up, Troy and Gabriella. No, on the contrary. <laughs> but I think the way they're phrasing it is also like, no, mat- no matter where we are, wherever we are, it will never be the same. Like, yeah. even if we're se- separate, it- everything's changed now because of what happened right here, right now. Yeah. And it's almost like a mini foreshadowing of what they hoped the future to be because they're not literally in the same place right now. No. But they are singing right here, right now. At the same and time, like, across time. And it's it's, it's like Summer Nights. I, I, I talked about Summer Nights in the last minute. I'm going to talk about it again because it, it feels super similar. They look at each other. I think other than the fact that they use the same camera technique, 
I personally don't think it reminds me of Summer Nights, but maybe because in Summer Nights they're referring, to, this is from Greece, by the way. Uh, it's the Wella, 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 ha huh, song. <laughs> um, because in Summer Nights they're talking about the past, and in this one they're talking about, famously, the present. And they don't know who they're singing about in Summer Nights. They don't know that they're singing to the person, I suppose. Well, I mean, Troy and Gabriella don't know they're singing at the same time as what, like... But it's different because it was a duet before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think part <laughs> of it for me is like, you know how when like your ears ring, someone's supposedly talking about you. I know that's not the case for you because you have tinnitus, but like... <laughs> it comes and goes. <laughs> or like when you get like someone walking on your grave kind of thing, when you get shivered down your back, it's like someone's... Like, it's like, are they so in tune with one another that they can look at the same time and be like, song? Wait, I don't know the second example you gave. When someone walks on my grave, I get a, a shiver down my back. Like, yeah. If, but I don't have a grave. If you get like unexpectedly cold, it's, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's like. <laughs> well, are you saying that superstitions don't make sense? Tyler. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I think the scene becomes pretty interesting because we zoom in and so we get closer and closer to Troy and Gabriella looking at each other from their respective balconies. And we get so close that the the distance between them starts to dissolve and all of a sudden we are indeed right in face to face next to each other. Does this visually make sense with how I'm describing it? Yeah. And I think I think this actually is pretty cool and why I don't think this is a nothing minute. This, we, we're in a, we're in a classic role reversal where I defend the movie. <laughs> Doesn't happen often, folks. Mark it on your bingo cards. One of my one. Of, I mean, I mean, it's not like it's particularly original. And most people will tell you that like a cross double cut thing like this, where you have two people in two different locations and two different cameras, is a little tacky. But I kind of like it. Like. They're, they're far apart, and then the camera zooms in so close that the effect makes it seem like they are singing directly to each other. See, my issue is, and I think this is where it stems from, is the lighting is just so weird. Yes, and Gabriella <laughs> looks blurry. Yes. Like, she's extra zoomed in, and she's blurry. She's a little out of focus. Yeah, so that's where my issue it just doesn't quite work for me because visually it doesn't work for me. I think I like I conceptually liked it enough where I was like able I'm able to overlook the slight blurriness of Gabriella. Maybe Gabriella just is blurry and that's extra scary to me. But we've never seen her blurry before. I was just doing a, a, a Mitch Hedberg maybe Bigfoot is blurry reference. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'm wearing glasses so you can't see the light leave my eyes. <laughs> it also it also works because in the previous minute they were talking about bending the universe and moving the stars. Yeah, like, they're breaking space time by being together apart. Yeah, so I liked it. And they're both on their balconies. Gabriella's got like the string lights on her balcony, which I don't know if we saw from the previous angle of the balcony when she was talking with her mom. I think we did, because I do remember talking about extra lights on the balcony and you being like, that's a cute placement kind of thing. Okay, I, I vaguely remember like maybe those being in her room, but I don't know. I believe you. So, yeah, 
uh, we we get another line of this song. Uh, Tomorrow can wait for some other day to be. Does that line didn't make any sense to you? <laughs> that I've heard in other things before. Like tomorrow can wait is like a common fleeting romance trope kind of thing. Yeah, like it's a concept that is it, it fits right in with all the other cliches of of the the song. I think just grammatically, tomorrow can wait for some other day to be. Yeah, the like, to tomorrow be is can weird. Wait to exist. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, just, that is the sentiment they're trying to convey is like tomorrow shouldn't come right now. It can exist another time. This magic moment. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for not rolling your eyes at that one. I get those kinds of songs stuck in my head a lot, so. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not there's not much to talk about, because, as you said, it's a it's an emotional beat that we've hit before. It would be interesting, I guess, if the movie was going to end in a similar beat as this, where they are separate, like separate and thousands of miles apart. And it's like we get another reprise of this song where it's right here, right now. They still feel. But that's like a rule of three type thing. Like well, that like almost, reprises don't. I guess I guess you don't need to do that in a like a musical. You don't. You don't do you don't like have to do a, a rule of three type. Yeah, thing. no, because I'm thinking okay. I'm thinking like a, so my one of my iconic reprises is Aladdin because Jafar sings the reprise and it's like, ooh, he spun it. And yeah, there's no third third version of that song. Prince Ali turns out to be merely Aladdin. <laughs> um, I got to see the original Jafar on Broadway because he was also the original Jafar on the Broadway cast. That's and that was fun. just super cool. Jonathan Freeman, there is his name. It was just taking me a But second. the way he says merely, merely Aladdin. Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if I can if I can hear it in my head, it's yeah, great. It's super good. I mean, that is for me that like clinched for what a reprise like oh, i was like oh that's that's what a reprise means like is that song and i feel like this doesn't like usually reprises are some sort of reflection or it turns face on the original song or like there's some like something has changed so that the reprise gives extra meaning and i feel like there's no extra meaning here that is totally right yeah the reprise should have some sort of either dramatic irony or literal character stake change. And Wait. in this one, I didn't even I didn't even know it was a reprise until they said right here, right well, now. That was last <laughs> last time I couldn't find the lyrics because I couldn't figure out what song it was. And then it was like, oh, it's right here, right now again, and not just the next song on the soundtrack. Which also goes to show the like unmemorability of some of these songs. Yeah. Not to say Jamie Houston's bur- burnt all of his oil, but like. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say, because while we were imagining Troy and Gabriella singing these on their separate balconies, not being able to hear each other, I was also imagining Gabriella like singing just her harmonies on the balcony. Oh, well, that's the thing. The harmonies are really good. I will give them that. Like the call and response kind of stuff they're doing, the harmonies, it all set. It like. They've clearly become very good singers over the course of these three films. <laughs> and I don't want to dock Zach or Vanessa for that. Like, they do sound very good. It just, the song's gotten, uh, I just, 
<laughs> I don't need another establishing shot of the school either. I really don't. <laughs> well, they, they, they hold the, the me at the end. Yeah. Which is also pretty good. And then what I like is that the, the camera pulls up to just leaves, leaves in a tree. In an, and it's it, not even like the moon. Like if it was the moon, <laughs> then that would make for why the lighting looks so weird. And they're both getting lit from opposite angles. Like if it was the moon and it was like splitting them. But I just. <sighs> I hate it when the moon splits people. I want the moon to unite people. No. Okay. Anyway, we get an establishing shot of the school. Yeah. And it's a very wide shot. Like, we're past the buses. Usually we're, like, the buses are in the very foreground. But the buses are in, like, mid-ground. And we're seeing the bike racks on the other side of the buses, which seems dangerous that people have their bikes and then they have to cross in front of the buses to get to school. Usually the bus lane, you're right, is kept pretty isolated so that there's no potential crossing traffic as someone who just saw mean girls recently i think it's very important to establish a wide angle when when there are buses involved because you don't want to get that close angle where the bus is just going to appear out of nowhere because that's how you get hit nice this is like a double layered joke where it's not about the bus lane itself but about the way you frame yeah the road yeah <laughs> So it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And especially because it's, it's not a school bus that she gets hit by. It's like a regular bus. And you're like, what's the regular bus doing here? Well, I think in the in the new one, it is a school bus. Oh. But I guess it doesn't really matter. No. But it's it's like a it's like a horror movie framing where you're like, ah, but that thing that I can't see just because it's right there. And I it's good filmmaking technique, I guess, when something jumps in and surprises you. Yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> That is a clever shot in the movie. I, I will give Mean Girls the. I've not seen the new one yet, so I'll just give the original the the good joke, and and then the the repeat of it at the end where they almost get hit by the bus. That's also a good joke. It's scary. I think like other movies don't go all the way with actually hitting the person with the bus. Yeah, and we actually just got this in the Percy Jackson episode we talked yeah, about we last did. time where they. They pull out of the garage and they like almost get hit and, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, but I like that Mean Girls commits to someone getting hit by a bus. So not to completely derail us. We'll be right back to the movie on Disney Channel. And there was a, a semi-intentional pun there. Uh, Toad's Wild, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Disneyland, the ride, you get hit by a train. You're driving crazily uh, yes. down the and, road. And then and you, you go get, to hell, you right? Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so another commit to the bit from 1955. Is there like a is there like a fourth wall breaking aspect of that where it feels like you literally went off the tracks of the ride when that happens? Well, you're like swerving and you swerve into the train kind of thing. Like, OK, like I guess track- I guess the Winnie the Pooh ride is a, a good example of that because you're like, oh, I'm just in a stationary car. And then later on, it starts bouncing, bouncing and doing other things. And you're like, I didn't know it could do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's more that you don't necessarily see the track that you're on. So you don't quite know where you're going to veer and stuff. I think test track also with the classic almost getting hit by the truck. There's another there's another ride where it like it looks like you're going to go into like this lane but then you veer off and it might be it might be the mine car ride at Canopy Lake Park. I think it is the mine car. Ride. Where there's like there's like a visual gag where it looks like you're going to go in that direction and you can see like the fake the track fake that track. you would have yep. gone down. Yep. 
but actually you turn and go a different direction. Like, that's a good joke. I like that. Yeah, no, it's it's classic. Uh, I think we're very far afield from High School Musical 3. And this wide establishing shot where you can see the buses wholeheartedly and there is no fear about anyone getting hit by a bus. <laughs> Unless you're worried about the kids parking their bikes as you were earlier. Well, I mean, yes, I'm always worried about kids parking their bikes because no one pays attention when they're parking their bikes. All right. Last thing about rails, though. Okay. If you're going off the rails on the crazy train, so you're already on the crazy train and you're going off the rails, does that mean you're more sane or less sane? feel like it's less sane because all right so i'm thinking of it in you know how in inside out they have the train of thought yeah and it will stop like kind of thing and they fall off the train at one point so like the train defines some particular element thought sanity what have you if you depart from the train you've departed from this idea this concept so if you've so, lo- if you've jumped off the train, the the crazy train, you're you're diving into even more unknown, more uncertainty, more. So I, I feel like it would be more. So the crazy train, in your view, is not on an end of the spectrum. No, it is the mental acuity train. Yeah, and it is going between destinations of crazy and sane. No. If you are on the train, that is your your being. Like, you are less stable. Your mental stability as a whole? Yes. Yeah, like, this is the type of train you're on. You're either riding the bullet train or you're riding the steam engine, like... Can I get one of those, like, um, like pu- push carts, carts things where you pull the thing up and down? Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to do one of those. That's a lot um, of work. In my opinion, if you're on the crazy train, that means you're going crazy. And that if you go off the rails, that's an improvement. But anyway. But off the rails is always like a, a, a side. That's why it's a hat on a hat. It's a tangent. It's, 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 it's a double negative. Tautology? One of those words. No, tautology is not it. Um, <laughs> you teach grammar. Anyway. So <laughs> that's a literary, literary device, not a grammar thing. Whatever. <laughs> I read books. I don't teach about them. <laughs> <laughs> Says the person who has book group tomorrow. Shush. We get we get a little instance of Troy walking down the hallway, kind of being a bully and a cool guy. Like he's he grabs this guy's hood should. and like puts it on him in like an aggressive way, but that's also playful. Yeah, it's like so. I'm finally getting around to Ted Lasso. it finally happened i got apple tv for three months and like roy goes around the locker room and says specific things to specific people and like changes depending on who it is and troy's kind of doing that like with this guy he's got this rapport and with this guy he's got this handshake and with this guy he's got this like verbal cue and with clapow he just ignores him (laughs) <laughs> Wait, are you saying something? There's something up there about Roy and Troy? Yes. That Troy Great. is a good captain, a good leader, so he knows the different needs of, of his teammates. Okay. Good. I think, yeah, I think the thing of like like aggressively doing someone's hood and then they go it's like, Wait, who did that? And then you realize it's your friend and you're like, ah, my friend. Yeah, I don't I think don't it's know if that I aggressive like... either. He doesn't try <laughs> okay. that hard. 
<laughs> the idea of like something you don't like happening, but then realizing it was being done by a person you do like. I don't know if that like for me, that doesn't make it OK, but I guess there's people that like that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's not great. <laughs> and then, yeah, he does. He like dabs up this other kid and it's fine. It's fun. Yeah, actually, one the the dab guy is the paw print guy from the beginning of the, the movie. Oh, I recognized well, his head. Yeah, we're just walking down a generic hallway that we've seen a few other times. It seems to be like the basketball boy hallway, which is weird. <laughs> I think every hallway is the basketball boy hallway if Troy's in it. But this is where his locker is. So especially so, maybe. I truly, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, well, I mean, I guess every scene in a movie is like this. But like, why would they show the hallway if something wasn't going to happen here? Establishing shots. I guess a hallway is like usually a setup for like, oh, you're going to run into someone in the hallway. Probably. But you also run into people in classrooms. So I don't know what I'm saying anymore. (laughs) This movie has has removed all logic (laughs) from my brain. (laughs) Well, how about we stop talking about this movie and we move on to our decom of the week segment? Oh, boy, I would love that. Whatever you may have concocted for me this week. Cue the music. Uh, One day I'm going to say in the Patrick Stewart voice, cue the music. Ah, that wasn't a good one. Anyway, uh, Condor, we're doing a game that we haven't played for a while. We're going to play the producer. I was thinking about doing this game with you last week. (laughs) Wild time. So um, play the producer is basically... uh, uh, it's kind of like the games that you see on social media where it's like you have $15 to build your NBA roster and there's certain people who are listed at $5 and $4 and $3 and $2 and $1 and you got to find a way to spend your money evenly to build your best team. Um, except Condor's not getting all the options at the same time. I'm going to read her a list of five things and she's got to choose from the list of five. And then every time she picks a slot in the list, that slot will be removed in the later options so that eventually she will take the one, two, three, four, and five from each category. It's mostly just like a multiple choice build a movie thing. But the movie we're building is a late 50s, early 60s Disney live action classic. Yo. Or not so classic as it were. Yo. So, you know, this era that I've been playing around in because there's a lot of weird stuff going on. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. (laughs) Right. First, you're picking your child's teen star. Um, a lot of these are Mickey Mouse Club folks. Okay. All right. But your your highest value $5 choice is Haley Mills of Parent Trap and Pollyanna. Okay. Haley Mills. Um, your number two is Annette Funicello. Yeah. You know who that is. Monkey's uncle. And she's classically from, uh, I mean, she is the starlet of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse originally and kind of got people invested in it her face was on stuff and people would like buy things of her um there was a barbie doll of her yeah or knockoff barbie doll of her yeah i know who annette Fanchella is. she's also for like from those beach movies and stuff and i believe she's um name dropped in the in the grease song yeah yeah she is <laughs> would you pull that crap with a net <laughs> yeah <laughs> your next option is other disney star Basically in the same Annette realm, Tom Considine, who was also in Shaggy Dog with Annette. Okay. He was in a TV show, Spin and Marty, 
Hardy Boys. He was one of the stars of My Three Sons. He was kind of one of the guys that had Disney movies built around. Okay. Your $2 option is Kevin Corcoran, whom we talked about a couple weeks ago because he was the star of Toby Tyler or 10 Weeks in the Circus. Nice. He also made like small appearances in Old Yeller, Pollyanna, Babes in Toyland. Um, He's a little bit more of a character actor, whereas Tom Considine felt like he was more of a leading man. Okay. And then your last option is Doreen Tracy, who was in the Mickey Mouse Club. She was also in Westward Ho! The Wagons. Okay. She was a Disney star. Yep. Big quotes around star, I guess. Um, All right, so Haley Mills, Annette Funicello, Tom Considine, Kevin Corcoran, or Dorian Tracy. We'll go with Kevin, our number two. Kevin Corcoran, okay. So he's kind of he's kind of smaller in stature, got a kind of a rounder face. Yeah. So an interesting choice to build your movie around. Nobody really remembers Toby Tyler that well. No. But he actually went on to have a, a pretty prominent Hollywood career, so. Yeah. This is just another classic that he did as a child, and yep. you're saving your big bucks for later. Didn't yep. go all out for Haley Mills. I, I had wish- to do way too much research to get these just five <laughs> names. <laughs> well, I appreciated it. I liked all of them. I actually have heard of Noreen, too, because I'm that person. Doreen. <laughs> or Dor- the, see the joke in Hairspray? The Noreen Doreen? That, it's Noreen and Doreen, yeah. Is based on, because Mickey Mouse Club had name namey people. <laughs> they had people with names on that show? Like the sounding the same names. <laughs> All right. Now we're going for the setting slash genre category. Okay. Just to just because those are kind of one and the same. So your number one option is wilderness adventure. Like, Wait, is that my $1 out- or my $5? That's your $5 option. Thank That's you. your highest. Thank like, you. Well, you said one. Okay. Number one is in the highest as in prime. Wilderness adventure as in shooting outdoors on location in the great, like in the great outdoors. Okay. Um, your number two is picturesque fairy tale. Your number three is fantasy, but like in studio. Okay. Like a babes in Toyland, like. Yeah. Or, or Willy Wonka type. Yeah. Deal. And you missed, you can't do your number four option, which is suburban charm. Cool. Not missing. But your number five option is frontier western i.e. the woods like not shot on location just shot in the woods Mm. so you got wilderness picturesque fairy tale fantasy in studio or frontier western i think based on kevin we're gonna go with uh fantasy in studio number three please all right so now we're looking for what is our hook for the movie Mm -hmm. so you you're not gonna get the three or four options Mm -hmm. which were Based on a classic story and animal actor. Oh, dang. Lost animal but actor. But you're left with the you're left with the with the one and two and five. The number one is musical. Mm. Number two is special effects. Mm. And number five is romance. We're gonna go number two. Number two is special effects. Okay, so we're going with the babes in toilet, Willy Wonka, yeah. like yeah. in studio. There's like props there's moving stuff. around. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have an okay. animatronic in here. Okay. Fourth category is score slash music. Mm. So it's not a musical per se, but like not all out, but there's there's music involved. So we got our number one and our number five (laughs) options remaining. This might be a tricky one for you. Number one option is original songs by the hit makers. So you're getting at least one song that's sung in the movie. That's like going to be a radio hit. That's going to get people in the, in the crowds. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. I thought you were like knockoff Sherman Brothers in it, but it could hypothetically be like a Sherman Brother kind of song. Yeah, like like one of the power players is coming in to write songs for the movie. Even if it's not a Even musical, not a musical there's going to be at like least one iconic song and the score is maybe going to be weaved in with the theme of that song. Like the music is iconic. Okay. And your number five cheapest option is piano only, or you can pick another instrument that's just like, there's like one musician on here that's playing you through transitions and like maybe doing little sound effects. See, I like the concept of one, but I don't want songs in my studio because like that's my issue with like, I like the concept of Babes in Toyland, but I think it's really annoying that they have that song in it. But your counter argument is like Willy Wonka, where it's like, okay, we're just walking around the setting and there's songs. There's too many songs in Willy Wonka. (laughs) Okay. I just watched Willy Wonka. Um what were my two? I'm just curious while I'm trying to decide of my options. Um, oh, the two, three, and four. Yeah. So the second best option was full original score with orchestra. So ne- not necessarily would, a hit. Yeah, but, that would have. That was what um, I was number thinking. Th- number three was full adapted orchestral score. So it's like there's classical pieces that already exist, mm-hmm. but you just get them. And then the number two option. The second worst was corny three piece, like piano, kit, fiddle, like more than just one instrument, but like kind of just enough to make it feel like it's not lonely. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with our low option, a lonely piano. Okay, Condra, you know that this is the last category now. I do. And the last category is where stuff gets real. I know, that's why. <laughs> so you saved it for last. I did. Last category is Walt involvement. Ooh. So going up from the bottom, I suppose, yeah. and then we'll get to reveal what, what I what I won. Yeah. Number five would be he's embarrassed to put his name on it. Oof. Number four would be he hopes it'll make money, but eh, what are you gonna do? Number three was he gave you and the director his blessing because you're the producer. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Number two was he really wants this one to do well. Like he's he's getting some he's stuff there. He's invested in it, yeah. Number one, Kondra, this is Walt Disney's pride and joy. This is his picture. Yo. His thumbprint is all over this. Oh, boy. And we have a lonely piano. <laughs> <laughs> so Walt Disney's very own pride and joy, a special effects driven... <laughs> In studio <laughs> fantasy joint with a rinky dink piano providing the musical transitions and little bleep blurp sound effects when uh, a statue falls over. Love this. And it stars, stars um, Moochie himself, Kevin Corcoran. Love this. <laughs> you know, Moochie I, was his nickname. I don't know if we ever said that before. I don't know either. I'm I'm actually pretty happy with this. <laughs> not my worst one i've done yeah you know it sounds like again like it sounds like a movie that would come out yeah absolutely (laughs) i'm glad you saved the number one option for the end yeah (laughs) i know how you play but i suppose he didn't it was walt like super involved with a lot of the live action ones or is Uh, is it like his thumbprints more on the animation yes so he was involved in that like he was promoting a very specific image and certain stories he was more invested in that he would decide to, to go with. 
a lot of decision making came from him and a f- only a few other people. So like Walt was not full micromanager, but he had all of his fingers in all the pies. But like, was he on set for? No. He probably the was 10, on the the Brave Ten or whatever that one was called. Probably at some point he like went to just like make sure everything like, but he wasn't there the whole time. I mean, I think he it was the ten who dared. Sorry. Fine. <laughs> the Westward expansion one where they all die. No, they don't all die, but almost all of them do. Yeah. Okay. So, well. So yeah, like he was involved, but like the animated ones. He would drive people up a wall because he'd be like, for sure. Yeah. Change this smear frame. And it'd be like, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Walt Disney would not have been proud of the blurry Gabriella. No. Or the suggestive (laughs) priest in Little Mermaid. (laughs) Well, um, I think that's about it for our time today. Indeed. So until next time, you can find us on Instagram at Amateur Nerds. On Tumblr at Wildcat Minute. You can send us an email to amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite um, early 60s Disney live action movie. Yeah. I was just reading about Miss Disneyland. She was basically the first like Walt Disney ambassador. And one of her first like big public facing roles was at a movie premiere. And I think we've talked about the movie, but the name's not coming to me now. I think it was that pilot, that rocket pilot one that we, that one where the astronaut fell in love with the alien. Sounds like something. Yeah. Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden at T Golden art on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I've been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time to find out what happens in Troy's basketball hallway. You can bet on it.